I like to start these things by just asking folks, you know, how did you find yourself in the world of HR? Yeah, so um, I am uh, originally from southeastern Virginia. Um, I grew up in uh, Newport News, Virginia, uh, which is a shipbuilding and, and maritime capital. Um, I uh, attended a, a small liberal arts college, uh, Christopher Newport University, uh, that is there um, in town. And um, during my uh, uh, college years, actually worked in the uh, Newport News Shipyard um, on um, building Navy aircraft carriers or helping to build Navy aircraft carriers um, as a, a, a college summer job. Um, it was a, a great learning experience for me um, um, seeing an organization from the bottom side up. Uh, uh, I was a welder's assistant for a while. I was a spray painter's assistant for a while uh, working on um, the um, uh, actually the uh, aircraft carrier uh, Theodore Roosevelt, you know, and certainly Theodore Roosevelt has uh, many connections here on Long Island. Um, and um, um, my undergraduate degree uh, was actually in governmental administration with a concentration in management. Uh, and so um, as, a, uh, as a senior, um, I did an internship in the city manager's office and the mayor's office uh, with the local municipality, the city of Newport News. Um, primarily working with uh, a number of uh, boards, commissions, and committees, um, and looking at the efficiency of the application process, uh, how to get more diversity on the committees then, and um, uh, how to make them accessible to, to the public. Um, following that internship, uh, the director of management services uh, for the city suggested that um, I apply for a position in uh, what was then the personnel department, um, uh, now human resources. And um, uh, so uh, I uh, landed that as my very first full-time job, uh, primarily in uh, compensation um, strategies uh, for, the, for the local government. And I um, actually love that job. Um, we were working with employees um, at all levels of the organization from budget technicians to um, um, legislative aides to people that filled the potholes and picked up the trash and, um, you know, uh, made sure that the water was flowing um, uh, for citizens across the, uh, the city. Um, and um, so I was there for about seven years and um, uh, realized that um, there were other opportunities uh, within human resources. And um, uh, Canon had um, fairly recently moved into that city as the very first Japanese, uh, one of the first Japanese manufacturers uh, to land in the Southeast. Um, Newport News, Virginia is the location of Canon, Virginia. Uh, that's our flagship manufacturing, engineering, and technology center. Uh, for the America's market. And um, I applied for a compensation position there um, in 1992, uh, landed that job and um, uh, started uh, what has, has now been over 29 year career with Canon, uh, progressively um, assuming higher levels of HR responsibility, uh, first over our compensation and benefits programs, uh, then uh, over um, uh, employee training and development, uh, and uh, finally, employee relations and um, the entire spectrum of HR operations for, uh, for Canon Virginia. I served as the uh, senior director of HR 
uh, for um, Cannon, Virginia for about a decade. And um, when the um, um, uh, vice president of HR uh, for Canon USA retired about five or six years ago, um, our CEO at the time and um, uh, the gentleman who was my predecessor um, asked me to uh, uh, consider transferring to uh, Long Island and uh, becoming head of uh, corporate human resources for Canon USA. Uh, so it's been a wonderful career, um, as I mentioned, 29 years and counting, um, a great variety of experience. I love working for an international company, um, had a chance to uh, travel all over um, uh, North and South America and supporting our operations, as well as visit uh, um, our company headquarters in Japan at Canon Inc. And um, it's uh, it's been a challenging career, but uh, uh, one that's uh, provided a lot of, of inspiration and um, something that's fueled my passion, uh, certainly. Well, it's a, an interesting start from boat builder to public servant. <laughs> um, and, and then, yeah, I mean, it, it's funny. You don't see people really having 30-year careers at organizations anymore, but um, you do tend to see it in HR folks for larger organizations. They seems like organizations like Canon sort of understood understood the way that the world of work was going to go long before it went that way. I don't know if you feel that way. I, I, I do. Um, I, I think that... Um, you know, the, the times have changed um, and um, new challenges have arisen. But at the end of the day, um, the fundamentals of uh, attracting, retaining, motivating, um, those stay the same. And, and I would add that um, there, there should be another added to that, um, uh, that list, and that's inspire. Um, you know, HR leadership leaders have an opportunity to uh, really influence the organization by attracting, motivating, retaining, um, uh, engaging, and inspiring. I think those five are the key elements there. And um, 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 that's what I think drives HR professionals. Um, we always have different, you know, challenges. We've had certainly some, some curveballs thrown at us in the last, uh, 18 months, um, with the, uh, global pandemic. Um, but whether it's, um, you know, uh, diversity and inclusion issues, whether it's employee engagements, whether it's general, it's dealing with generational changes, um, you know, those four, those four or five core fundamentals of HR, I think remain the same. And that's why we probably have some, some good tenure and longevity uh, within, the, within the profession because uh, for most people, um, that passion doesn't leave them. Absolutely. I know it's been a little while, but do you ever think about your, your days in, uh, as a public manager? Or as a um, human resources analyst at the city of Newport News. Oh, all the all the time. Um, it, it was um, fundamental to um, my career when I look back on it on it now. Um, primarily because I got to work with such a variety of different roles um, and and folks that um, were at all levels of the the organization, and and being in the the compensation area. 
um, you know, we were developing job descriptions and role profiles. So we would go out on the job site. Um, you know, we would go out to uh, where they were um, uh, doing the water treatment and where they were filling the potholes. And, um, and, and, you know, we were, we got to know them intimately uh, and we got to learn about their dreams and their aspirations. And, and I think one of the cool things of HR is helping people to realize their goals and realize their dreams, um, whether that's just learning a new set of skills, whether that's um, moving to a higher level of an organization. And, and what you fundamentally realize is, is yes, people enjoy um, serving the organizations to which they are a member, but they also have uh, more personal aspirations of, um, um, you know, in, in some cases, it may be the motivation of just putting putting food on the table for their family or um, uh, saving enough to to put a child or a grandchild through um, higher education. Um, and so, you know, helping them achieve their goals, helping them succeed in their career. You know, man, there's nothing more powerful than that. It's very true. And it's it's certainly a passion that I've identified across pretty much every HR individual I've ever talked talked to, you know, and it's such a diverse group of people come from such a diverse group of backgrounds. Um, and it seems like the thing that always, you know, whether they started as a lawyer, I've even had someone that started as a doctor. Uh, I've talked to people that start, you know, as business managers, as accountants, as it doesn't matter. What they've all realized is that they kept finding themselves attracted to the people aspects of the jobs. And that just sort of naturally funneled them towards the role they're always meant to be in. Absolutely. And, and, and Jim, I would add, um, there are certain areas uh, at Canon, especially, um, where we, we actually have folks that are working in HR professions um, that were originally, for example, assembly line workers or, or, or people that um, um, ran our process operations or, or, or served in those types of roles that, you know, now they're supporting a, a number of years later. Um, you know, one of, the, one of the cool things that Canon has done and many organizations do as well is, is really support the career aspirations of their employees. And, um, and, and we certainly seek talent within uh, when we have opportunities. Um, and through programs such as um, tuition assistance, and uh, um, you know, I, I think of one of our HR managers at our Virginia operation, who uh, I worked with for many years. Um, she was originally an assembly worker. Um, she went and got her undergraduate degree um, in uh, business, and then a graduate degree in HR. And now she's one of the HR managers in that operation. And uh, uh, leading the charge uh, in the employee relations space. So, um, you know, those opportunities are ones that uh, we can look back and embrace. Um, and, and, you know, just like my experience of, of working in the technical trades um, at the shipyard, her experience of, of actually working on the assembly lines and knowing what that experience is like and knowing what it means to be on your feet for eight hours a day um, and doing repetitive motion operations and uh, trying to understand new technology, um, that, just, that just adds so much more richness to what she is able to bring to the job um, and, and her understanding and empathy 
um, with the um, with the work that's being done uh, in the trenches, so to speak. Well, what's your approach? One of the things, one of the issues with organizations that don't so successfully allow mobility of their employees is the resistance of mid and lower level managers to give up their best talent um, yeah. or to give up someone that's just a really high, high performer. What's your approach towards helping those managers understand that, yes, this is actually really good for everybody if we can get this person elsewhere in the organization. Yeah, I, I, I think that what you have identified is a challenge for so many folks throughout the HR yeah. professions because, you know, it's it's just a natural human tendency that once you have a valuable asset, what do you want to do with that asset? You want to hold on to it. You, you know, yes, you want to invest in it, but you want to pay, you want it to pay dividends for yourself. And, and so that, that is a challenge. What, um, what myself and, and I encourage my team to do is um, encourage managers and, and leaders within the organization um, to understand that the, the need for organizational perspective. Um, um, I think especially um, understanding how we can grow the strength of the entire organization by being willing to share talent rather than hoard talent um, is a vital learning competency. Um, and it's one that we have tried to incorporate into a number of, um, uh, of our training programs for management. We have a, uh, a series of um, programs called the Canon a leadership Institute, CLI. Uh, there's a manager level, a director level, and an executive level, um, and that's integrated in. Um, and then we, we've also taken a leadership position within HR in identifying where there are opportunities for formal programs within the organization um, to share talent and to rotate talent around. Um, for example, when, when I was in Virginia, um, uh, we were especially keen on developing engineering talent, um, retaining that talent. Uh, what we found is that, um, you know, we would hire a really high um, uh, potential engineer. Uh, they would come and they would work for us. And um, a year or two, three la years later, um, we were losing those folks because, you know, it was like, well, this isn't necessarily what I went to school for, or I didn't know I was going to have to be doing this, or now I feel I'm, I'm stuck in only one particular functional area of the organization. And, and so what we started to do um, through our engineering rotation program was rather than hiring an engineer within an engineering department, we actually hired them within human resources. Um, and we rotated them through a variety of different engineering assignments. For six months, they might be in quality engineering. For another six months, they might be in chemical engineering or mechanical engineering. And um, uh, what that would do is it would give them a perspective of the entire field, and it would allow them to help identify where their skill sets best fit in. And importantly, it would give us a chance to evaluate uh, where they would be the best fit for the organization. And collectively, we could then uh, make a more permanent assignment um, with a lot more data and a lot more understanding of how they can be successful. 
Now that I've come to um, Canon USA, uh, we're doing that in some of our major product groups. Um, for example, we currently have a um, uh, some leaders within our business communications division. Uh, this is our office product division. Um, we, we selected um, high potential leaders from uh, the sales operation, the marketing operation, the administrative operation, and the, um, uh, the technical support side of the business or service side of the business. Um, and we are rotating them on six months assignment over the course of two years into each of those areas. Um, at the end of each six month rotation, uh, they actually present to our president and CEO and other members of the executive leadership team, uh, what they've learned, what projects they've accomplished. And the idea is that we're creating future leaders. We're creating a new generation um, through those job rotation programs. I think that's also especially important and, and something that we've come to learn with the younger generation. Um, a lot of times, you know, we hear within HR and we see within many organizations um, that the younger generations, you know, they have the, the reputation of jumping from job to job. They're only going to be in a job for like two years or three years, and then they're going to be more move on to something else. Now, what we found at Canon is is what they're looking for isn't necessarily a new employer. What they're looking for is a new experience or or a new set of career skills or or things to add to their career toolbox. Um, and if we can provide that within our organization uh, that will allow them to grow, that will keep them engaged, that will keep them interested and help them find their passion, then we can do a better job of retaining those employees. And and that I think has added tremendously to our business in recent years. Yeah, it's really smart. I mean, I think one of the things that good recruiters have understood recently is that if you're looking to fill a position, you don't fill it with people that are already doing that job. Mm -hmm. You got to find the person that wants to grow into that job, you know, and that's a lesson I think any HR person can take is that most people aren't trying to laterally move. And the reason they're leaving, just like you say, isn't because isn't because they don't like the company necessarily. And it's not necessarily because they don't like their manager. Although that, you know, that was the number one reason for a long time. It's no longer true. It is a reason, of course, but um, it's that they don't see the opportunity for growth in their organization. And something I always like to say as a, a millennial myself is that the rate at which our skills go obsolete mandates that we continue to evolve um, and learn. And if it doesn't happen at our current role, we really don't have a choice. I mean, if we want to stay relevant and current, we have to go to where the skills will be developed. And, and, and that is a philosophy and a mantra that we have uh, tried to impart. Um, you know, Canon's, Canon's organization uh, is very tenured, very experienced. Um, um, employees tend to stick with us, and it's not unusual uh, when we have service award celebrations to be recognizing people with um, 40 years of experience or 35 years, 30 years. Yeah, wow. um, you know, we, we tend to see several of those folks each each quarter. Um, but at the same time, the newer generation coming along, you've, you've got to keep it fresh. You've got to continue to challenge them. Um, you've got to give them a reason to stay. Uh, with your organization, if you're going to drive the 
the retention needle. And, and, and you know, that has, um, uh, that has been important to us, especially if, as we have considered how are we going to emerge from the post-pandemic era uh, or into the post-pandemic era um, with um, uh, work, reopening our offices, returning people to, um, uh, to the workplace. Um, you know, we've sensed on this concept of sense of belonging, you know, that um, um, we need uh, people back in the office because it facilitates collaboration and social interaction, teamwork, innovation, you know, those connections. Um, we're going, we're doing that um, where possible in a hybrid fashion where um, when we are bringing people back, we're bringing them you know, back two days a week in a hybrid program into the office and then allowing them to uh, uh, work remotely up to three days a week. That's the model that, that we have settled, settled on. Um, and, um, you know, it's the question we need to answer as an organization is, well, you know, I've been perfectly productive. I've driven results all by working remotely throughout yeah. the pandemic. Why do I need to come back to the office? And it's it's the sense of, of you know, the collaboration, the teamwork, the engagement, the, the being together um, and brainstorming ideas. Um, we feel that's important. And so what we try to do is balance the best of both worlds. The other thing, though, and, and, and we've seen this in, in many organizations as they have gone through this process, uh, but the one thing that um, um, I haven't seen a whole lot of, of um, conversation about within the HR community, but I think it's, it's something that we, we need to be having a conversation about, is another reason to bring people back to the office in at least a hybrid fashion is the whole concept of mentoring. You know, mentoring, especially for the younger generation, is is so vital, and it is very, very difficult to do in a virtual and remote environment. Um, it's much more enhanced and much more facilitated, and much more effective if if it can be in person. So much of what you learn, um, many people are experiential learners. They learn better by doing it. Um, you know, it's it starts with throwing someone in the deep end of the swimming pool to teach them how to swim, right? Um, you know, they may struggle at first, but they're going to figure it out and we're going to provide the assistance and the, the safety net for them. Um, uh, but observing, understanding, seeing how it's been done before, um, you know, that is so vital to preparing the workforce for the future and, and managing the talent that we have and creating a talent pipeline um, for those jobs, especially as we look to succession planning. So I think, you know, when, when we talk about the reasons for um, having uh, in-office attendance, at least in a, in a hybrid fashion, uh, we need to put mentorship um, up there along with collaboration and social interaction and uh, engagement as uh, as a vital reason for for doing so and and we need to look at how we can enhance the mentorship programs and experiential learning programs including job rotation programs we talked about earlier um, as as part of our overall um, um, uh, HR programming yeah I mean I can't I, I'm personally, I'm a proponent of staying home forever. Um, 
and I'm per per perfectly willing to sacrifice all of those important things that you said <laughs> because <laughs> I'm I'm an introvert and I I don't like I mean I don't mind being around people but it's just the amount of energy it takes for me to get ready to be around people it's you know it's difficult but I would also be willing to accept a hybrid work role so long it was clearly defined and there were good you know good reasons for it then you know you can you can make that compromise and you can say well all right i can muster the strength for these two days and for the other three days I don't have to worry about it um that's actually what i had before the pandemic started two days at home and i think there's a lot of people out there that are are going to be okay with that that aren't going to be okay with a you have to come back in because we say so attitude yeah, I, I think you have to you have to build the business case, right? Um, as to as to why we as an organization feel um, that this is important and and vital to our success in the future, and um, and, and we have been very clear. Um, um, we have two defined uh, days each week. Uh, that we are um, bringing our hybrid employees back into the office. Um, our offices are open five days a week because there, um, there are other folks who um, actually for a variety of reasons want to be in the office more frequently. Um, either they don't have a, um, uh, a suitable workspace or uh, a workspace without um, distractions at home. Um, they, they don't enjoy the isolation as much. Um, they feel they have better resources um, and, and access uh, within the workplace. So what, what we're finding is it's uh, it's a little bit of a mixed bag. We have we have people that that uh, like yourself want to stay home 100% of the time. We have people that want to be in the office 100% of the time. And and I think what we're trying to do as an organization is is try and find the best of both worlds. Um, and um, uh, by clearly defining uh, the two days a week that uh, that uh, we're expecting hybrid employees to be in the office um, and, and outlining the, the business case and uh, establishing uh, those guidelines, um, we're doing that. But the other thing that we're doing, uh, Jim, which I think is vitally important is, um, is we're also looking at how we can enhance the overall uh, employee experience uh, with us. Um, you know, I, I, I think there, for our organization, um, there are, are, are really key elements that can allow us to, um, uh, to succeed in the future and where HR can have a seat at the table and be a driver um, uh, in terms of impacting positively the, the organizational culture. Um, I think you know, building talent pipelines and effectively managing our talent is one. I think looking for ways to enhance the employee experience, either through growth opportunities such as job rotation programs or um, uh, just creating uh, uh, the new work style um, uh, with the hybrid environments, uh, those types of things uh, are very positive. Additional recognition programs, uh, additional business resource groups we're looking at, um, you know, those types of, of programs uh, I think can enhance the overall atmosphere and, and in fact, um, encourage folks and uh, incentivize them to, to actually be in the office. This is, this is where I want to be, uh, at least in a, in a hybrid fashion. Um, and then another thing that we are focused on within uh, uh, HR at Canon is shared services. Um, 
looking at how we can be efficient, that uh, we can be productive, we can optimize our, our operations uh, across a number of different um, subsidiaries and affiliates uh, throughout North and South America. Um, I think the combination of the talent management, enhancing the employee experience, um, working cooperatively together in an efficient manner for shared services, um, that is what we that is where H, what HR can bring to the organization to make our organization resilient and prepared for the future. Um, um, one of the things that uh, Canon has a uh, philosophy um, that's known as Kyose. And um, kyose uh, is obviously a Japanese word, but but roughly translated, it means working together in harmony for the common good. Um, and um, one of the things that um, I have been talking a lot about my, with my team, especially as we are emerging from the pandemic, is how can we be become better harmonized? And I'm using H. R as capital letters in harmonize um, to symbolize the role that we play within the organization in uh, in making that happen and achieving the uh, the company mission. Um, so those are conversations I'm having with uh, HR leaders across uh, uh, our corporate operations and subsidiary operations, and um, also having with uh, executives uh, across the organization. You know, I think the pandemic has. Um, provided uh, HR leaders with a uh, stronger uh, and more frequent seat at the table, right? Um, you know, with, um, uh, as, as this disruption has occurred, um, and, and uh, I would suggest there's actually um, two phases of disruption. I can talk about that in a minute, but, um, but as this disruption has occurred, um, HR is looked to for um, uh, providing critical information, um, being a link to the workforce, um, establishing protocols and programs um, that promote safety, health, well-being, uh, mental health increasingly. Um, and, and, and I think as we emerge from the pandemic though, HR needs to make sure that we keep this seat at the table, um, that we can continue to be a strong influence and a strong ally to other members of the business uh, units or the leaders, executive leadership of the business units and the organization um, so that we can continue to um, play the role and have the positive impact. Uh, I think that's vital for um, the HR profession going forward, um, but this is also a, a tremendous opportunity for HR uh, as we uh, go into the uh, the years ahead. It absolutely is. It's uh, I think particularly at mid-sized organizations, HR got a lot of um, their value was seen greater as as we as they had to navigate the pandemic. There were so many things that HR had been talking about and, and experts and analysts for a very long time that kept getting backburnered or weren't being considered as important that were really critical people issues uh, like, you know, total well-being, mental health concerns like, you know, um, less rigid schedules, being being more understanding of people with kids at home and things like that that, you know, leaders suddenly found themselves like, we need a solution right now. And they look and there's HR and they've got them all ready to go. 
they've been talking about it. Absolutely. You know, and, and yeah, this, this, this never really has, um, I've never experienced this at, at Canon, but I know in, in some organizations, you know, HR is sometimes viewed as the, the necessary evil. They're the compliance police. They're the, the people that we turn to when we don't know what else to do and we've got a problem to solve. Um, but um, in the normal course of running the business, um, you know, HR has is, is, is kind of been uh, a little bit on the back burner, but um, with, the, with the pandemic, that completely changed. Um, and, and I think it's, you know, uh, not only an opportunity, but it's, it's vital for the HR profession um, um, to continue to work in, in close alignment and close concert with um, uh, executive leadership as we, as we move you know, even beyond the pandemic, because, you know, we're seeing, we're seeing now, um, I, I mentioned disruption and, um, you know, um, markets are always disruption, disrupted, um, you know, within our, within our organization, technology disruptions uh, occur all the time, um, um, you know, especially in the uh, uh, camera photography video market. Um, uh, office product market, uh, those disruptions happen. And, you know, we've seen uh, the perfect uh, sort of business school case study of that during, uh, during COVID. Um, but, but I would suggest that from an HR perspective, there's really two phases of disruption that we're seeing. You know, the first occurred in the early weeks and in, in the first couple of months of the pandemic. So mostly the second quarter uh, of last year where um, the disruption was driven by the company. Um, uh, the uncertainties of uh, what the what the pandemic would do to the economy. Um, you know, a lot of companies um, uh, did uh, reductions, downsizing, restructurings uh, due to that uncertainty and and due to the conditions with which they were they were faced. And and um, um, you know, we we're still paying paying the price, if you will, in many organizations for the decisions that uh, needed to be made at that time. But what we're seeing now is what I would consider to be a, a sort of a late pandemic phase of disruption. Uh, but the interesting thing is this is not company driven, this is worker driven. Uh, this is um, due to changes of the new economy, um, due to people that, um, you know, relocated, you know, we're, we're, we've, we've seen that a lot here on Long Island where um, people, you, you mentioned that uh, uh, a lot of people on Long Island are not from Long Island um, originally. Um, they've returned home to where family and friends are, where they grew up, um, more rural areas, lower cost areas, lower tax areas. Um, and, and so, you know, they're looking for new opportunities in, in, in new geographies. Um, you know, we, you mentioned um, the desire for virtual and remote work. I think that is uh, uh, driving uh, some of the disruption as well as, as people um, have become accustomed to working more remotely. And if companies are not offering either a hybrid solution or a complete remote solution, then, uh, then they're looking for other opportunities. I think another piece is um, what I would call delayed career movement. Um, you know, normally every organization has a, a given level of turnover in any given year. You know, you would expect 10%, say, uh, of people to leave. But, but actually our turnover, our voluntary turnover diminished considerably 
uh, during the pandemic because people wanted that safety and security of employment. And, you know, my colleagues are being laid off and, uh, um, you know, I need to I need to hold on and grasp what I have. And so, you know, if they normally would have been thinking about career transition, they kind of delayed that. So they're doing it now as the economy reopens and, and, and things become more clear. But also the people who would have normally done it this year anyway are also doing it. And so you've got all of this, you know, sort of several years kind of bunched up of which you would have as normal attrition all happening at the same time. I think, um, you know, a lot of folks during the pandemic um, saved some money. They didn't go on vacation. They didn't go out to eat as much. Um, and so they have a little bit maybe more financial security, a nest egg. So it, it allows them to take more risk from a career standpoint. And then, of course, you've got the the burnout and the fatigue, the desire to do something new and different of, hey, you know, maybe I should go back to school. Maybe I want to be an entrepreneur and, 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 and work on my own. You know, they've reevaluated their priorities. They've redefined what happiness means and, and pursuing a meaningful existence means. Um, you know, I do think that um, some of the higher uh, unemployment benefits and, 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 and programs that um, uh, were done during the COVID time is, is causing a lot of people to delay uh, returning in some industries, especially retail, food and beverage, that sort of thing. Um, but the other thing I think that's also helping to drive this is just the the different demographics, the shrinking workforce, the, you know, most of the baby boomers, I'm, I'm at the very end of that generation, um, they have uh, retired or are very close to retirement. And the, and the succeeding generations um, are not as large. And so um, what this is leading to is what so many of our organizations are seeing, the, the higher turnover, the higher demands for salaries, um, the longer time it's taking to fill positions, the fewer strong and qualified candidates. Uh, it truly is a buyer's market. And so, you know, all of us in HR are dealing with this disruption. And I think um, those companies and those HR leaders within companies uh, that can navigate through these, this disruption and emerge a winner, um, with new work style programs, with new talent pipelines, with that in enhancing the employee experience, with working effectively and efficiently from a shared service perspective, those are the organizations that are going to come out ahead and, and be successful. And I think the, the, the final thing is that um, um, HR now has an opportunity to work closely with the direction that the business is going in. And I'll give you a, a really great example of some things that we are doing at, at Canon. So certainly um, human resources, uh, along with a number of our other uh, functional groups have taken the lead on our return to office initiative and um, developing the, the new hybrid program. Uh, we actually now have um, three um, uh, work styles, I guess four work styles, um, uh, that um, um, our, our employees may be assigned to. Uh, one is uh, more customer facing, um, that is uh, those employees do work 100% remotely, only coming into the office when needed. Um, those are the ones that are out every day, either servicing customer equipment or, or um, making sales calls for Canon or, or doing field training. 
Um, then we have uh, the, the largest segment of our population, which are now on the two-day hybrid schedule uh, of being in the office two days and working remotely up to three. Uh, and then, of course, we have our hub employees, those essential workers um, whose jobs require that they come into the office uh, and our facilities. Um, and uh, those are the ones that, that obviously um, um, we uh, uh, celebrate uh, because of the uh, sacrifices that they made throughout uh, uh, the pandemic. Um, and so HR has led the way in sort of developing this new construct of work environment for, for Canon. Uh, but we've also noticed that there are business opportunities um, that um, um, can fall right in line because other companies are dealing with these, these same issues. And so the latest product group that has been developed at Canon is actually called the Hybrid Solutions Product Group. Um, and these, we've collected the products that um, uh, our society needs to support remote work and hybrid work. Um, uh, inkjet printers, which, which formerly for Canon were a little bit of a sleepy product, but during the pandemic um, have been highly successful as, as folks have transmission transitioned to remote work. Um, we've taken our um, uh, camera technology and um, uh, amazingly within three weeks uh, at the early weeks of the pandemic, our um, software developers were able to uh, develop new software to uh, that could be downloaded by consumers that would allow you to take a number of Canon camera models and transition them into webcams. Uh, that could be used for remote work and, and utilize that same technology. And so now when you buy a Canon camera uh, with the software download, you also have a webcam that can be very effective and uh, provide a high, much higher resolution than uh, uh, the typical laptop camera. Um, we found opportunities in live streaming um, uh, with um, uh, markets such as um, uh, House of Worship and government, as they have had to uh, transition uh, their uh, meetings and their events um, onto a virtual platform instead of in-person, um, they've wanted to upgrade their technology to provide a better user experience. And so Canon's video equipment and live streaming equipment uh, has done really well. Um, certainly our... Um, um, enterprise office solutions, office products uh, have met some headwinds as people have worked remotely and haven't been in offices. And that impacts our, our revenue from uh, not only hardware uh, in office products, but also um, service and support and consumables like inks and cartridges. Um, but uh, what we found is uh, production printing um, has been very, very strong. So everyone who's ordering, um, everyone who's ordering uh, books from Amazon that may be printed on, on uh, Canon um, uh, uh, multi-printers, um, and also large format printing, as many organizations, as you know, have developed um, signage and uh, all of that to deal with p pandemic, everything from you know, stickers that uh, indicate where you should uh, be six feet apart and um, uh, instructional signage in grocery stores and retail establishments. Um, so the, the, the cool thing that we have been able to do is we have developed internally these new processes is we've taken this thinking to our, our product development, our product design, um, and, um, and, and positioned where we can be successful. Um, and I think the 
the diversity of our talent and the diversity of our technology is what has really helped Canon, um, um, I, I would say, not only survive, but thrive um, um, during the, uh, uh, certainly since um, uh, the last, uh, the second half of last year and into 2021. I mean, that that level of adaptation is what was demanded um, as we went into the pandemic and those organizations that slipped under the waves were the ones that weren't positioned to adapt. I mean, some couldn't never had a chance, but there were plenty that could have found a way, but they just found themselves in the wrong, the wrong position to make those kinds of changes. And, and I don't think we can overlook Jim, the um, importance of quick and decisive decision-making as part of this process. Um, um, our, uh, one, of the, one of the challenges, which also became an opportunity for us uh, that we had at Canon is um, the, the, the CEO of Canon USA. Uh, so the head of, of all Canon operations in the Americas um, actually had, had been scheduled and did retire uh, on April 1st of last year. Uh, and so we actually had a new CEO that came in right as the pandemic was hitting. Um, but um, um, he has been a, a, a wonderful uh, leader for us. Um, he has put safety, health, and uh, well-being of employees at the, at the forefront and, and worked very closely with HR um, and our, our other business units to, to make that a priority. Um, but he's also caused our organization to um, to quickly adapt and quickly think, and um, actually, we're we're very excited um, to uh, uh, when we get to the um, CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, uh, next year. We're um, anticipating that uh, uh, we're going to have some some new technology to uh, uh, be able to to share with the market. Um, that uh, will allow even more collaboration opportunities uh, using our core optics um, uh, technologies and, and experience. And so that's exciting for Canon. And I think that's also um, that, that level of innovation is uh, help motivating our employees as well. Absolutely. I think that's unfortunately about all the time we have, but it was, uh, it was great speaking with you. 